0: hello and welcome to the rpg academy podcast twitch channel my name is michael and we're here tonight for another episode of detention live joining me as always is my co-host chris chris say hello to everyone hello everyone i pointed up because on my screen he's above me i have no idea how we are in relation to the screen and joining us tonight as a special guest co-host we have eric eric is also known as airborne ham on twitter and Eric here is tonight to hang out with us, but also to talk about a game he's working on that it's also very kind of near and dear to my heart because it's a gm game, has some overlap with movies, though more horror for him than action for me. So Eric, say hello to everyone.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So Airborne Ham, I got to ask, what's that handle? Where does it come from?
1: In freshman year of high school, I needed a gamer tag for Xbox Live. And of course. I didn't want to press the random gamer tag name. And I thought... Flying pig, let's do something different. <laughs> <laughs> so it's flying pig, but but worded wrong. I got you. Okay. Have, look, spy cats make it. I see that. Hilarious. So actually, I
0: lived in Cincinnati for many years and they actually have the Flying Pig Marathon that they do there every year. Oh, nice. Yeah. So when nice. you say Flying Pig, I, I went to that as well. Uh, but yeah, so we're here tonight for Detention Live. It's our kind of our loose format TTRPG talk show. We are going to do some improv games. We're going to do some silly stuff. But we are also going to talk about um, Eric's Kickstarter. So we're going to do that in a little bit later. Uh, But tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything you want to share with strangers on the internet?
1: Yeah, sure. uh, I've been running and playing RPGs since uh, middle school. And uh, didn't actually get into real published games until a few years after that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we just like... My my experience with TTRPGs started out as roll a d6, and we'll just sort of talk about what happens, and then graduated into rules of uh, books of rules and and stuff. But uh, now these days, I I run, I design and run LARPs, mostly Mm. action LARPs, and uh, I help, I run and write mods modules for Dystopia Rising Wisconsin these days uh if you don't know about dystopia rising it's a post-apocalyptic boffer combat uh horror larp okay but uh every all, all there's a branches all over the country there's one in uh indiana that's pretty close to like that's the other midwest one we've got one in wisconsin there's a bunch on the east coast and the west coast um but i do a lot of larp design <laughs> and so uh that's where a lot of my my experience these days in game design comes from.
0: Nice. Um, I run a murder mystery larp at our convention every year at CataCon. Uh, I call it it's a D&D inspired larp cuz every character has a D&D style ability. Um, some of them actually roll D20s on occasions. Okay. It's but it's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I also put together a Scooby-Doo dread game which is basically a LARP like it's it uses Dread but it is almost 100% just role play and it's so much fun so I've never actually LARPed but I have designed two kind of LARPs I don't know if that's a, the usual way it happens or not
1: my experience with LARPing is that you you uh, you find somebody you know runs or or plays in a LARP and you just see it and then go yeah I could do that <laughs> and, then you, and then you find a way to do it yourself we the LARP I ran, we ran what we called a micro LARP uh, in my hometown here for like, we had like 30 people every month. We did a monthly game for three years until COVID stopped us. And it was just, it was always, we made new mechanics every month. We made a whole new story. Every character was new. It was a whole production every month. Um, and that was started at a local college and they stopped doing it. And so the ones that were running it who had graduated... We all kind of looked at each other, like, "Do we want to just, do just do this out of the campus, like, not on campus?" And we did it for three years until we couldn't anymore. <laughs>
0: Well, it's sad to hear that it had kind of died, but hopefully, maybe it'll make a comeback. If not with you, then maybe the younger generation. Uh, I want to oh. shout out a geek of one's own. Liam is uh, in chat with us. He's hanging out for a little bit. We both had an opportunity to guest on his show fairly recently. Uh, but yeah, we're going to jump into the show as we as we always do here. We're going to start with what we call extracurricular. Uh, well actually, just quickly, my internet's terrible, even more so than usual, <laughs> uh, but it seems like Eric and Chris's is fine, so I may robot it out a little bit, but hopefully everyone else is fine. Uh, but we're going to do extracurricular. This where we just talk about what we've been up to recently, books we've been reading, TV shows we're watching, movies, games we're playing or designing, uh, just whatever, you, again, you want to share with strangers on the internet. Uh, Chris, I will start with you. What you been up to, buddy?
2: Uh, well... I have strangely been hooked on this show called The Librarians. Uh I've heard of this one. I haven't watched it, but I've heard of it. It's I'm watching it on Hulu. I think it it was on TNT, I think, maybe or eh, one of those stations. Uh it's basically there's this library that is in another dimension and there's artifacts throughout history that have been stored there and every episode they have some other new you know thing they have to to resolve. Uh, Usually it has loosely tied with mythology or something new magic comes in. Uh, Stories are not great. I am hooked on how dedicated the actors are to just performing everything so well, even though it's not a great line. But they like they knock it out of the park like their their dedication to it has just got me so amused. Um, and, And it's it's kind of a fun little show. Don't believe or, or forget what you know about mythology, right? <laughs> you know, when they're talking about Fortuna, the goddess of, you know, I think it was the Roman or Greek goddess of luck, and she's stealing luck by blowing kisses through the camera. Okay, just forget it. Like, just <laughs> Go with the story. Like I, I'm just, I'm just enjoying it because it's very lighthearted. Um, and when I'm not watching that, we're we're watching the newest season of uh, a show called You, which is kind of the opposite, not so lighthearted, a little a little more dark, but. I've been enjoying that, too. And we'll be doing some more work on the uh, Dragonlance game, as you can see. My little banner behind. Nice. Uh, Still doing that uh, every other Thursday. So tomorrow will be our third session uh, where they might actually not just role play and go fishing. They might actually get into some combat, depending upon how the players go about it.
1: Combat's overrated. Use some mechanics.
2: Yeah, Yeah, well, we have been. I I was very entertained in the first session when they they actually had to fight some Draconians. And they are like, I want to roll to identify that. I'm like, roll away. I rolled a 16. I'm like, you've never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) And the expert's like, well, I want to try a different skill. Go ahead. I rolled a 12. You've never seen it.
0: Never seen it before,
2: yeah. And one of the other players is just laughing because he knows the Dragonlance lore that they've never been on the Kryn until now. So afterwards, he's like, so what if I'd rolled a 20? I'd be like, You've never seen it. <laughs> yeah. But you're confident yeah. you've never yeah. seen it before, yeah. which tells you it's something new. Yeah. yeah. So I've been having fun with that. Otherwise, uh, you know, just working a lot, you know, running the office and doing that stuff. Um, but really looking forward to the faculty retreat in oh, yes. two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Two 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 and a half, I guess. Two and a half. Yeah. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to just kick back and relax and play some games. Uh, and, you know, it's only a week after my birthday. So, oh, uh, Bob said he's bringing old fashions. So yeah. Bob might be my new best friend. <laughs> for the weekend.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to go to Eric next. So Eric's again talking to strangers on the Internet. I actually want to quickly mention I had read a geek of one's own comment and it said, just going to lurk while I get hammered by work i thought it said hammered at work those are very different statements stay safe out there people okay so i'm sorry eric so what would you like to tell us what you've been up to recently um and again we're going to plug the kickstarter pretty hard in the next segment so feel free to touch on it lightly here we'll go into it more later
1: yeah i've been uh, surprisingly not as uh stressed out about the kickstarter as i thought i would be the first few days was a lot of like refresh the page but yeah oh yeah yeah but now i'm definitely taking a back seat uh just letting it roll uh, i've been finishing up that but i've been itching to design other games I that i've had in the back go. burner um we just started our my regular wednesday night gaming group just started our next campaign after a break so we're playing changeling okay um and I, it's, like, the hardest World of Darkness game for me that I've ever engaged with. It's, like, it's very surreal, and I, I've been struggling to wrap my head around what the game is, but I'm really excited to experience it because it's the most, like, new thing I've seen out of World of Darkness that we've been Because okay. usually it's, like, vampires. You know what vampires are? Mm-hmm. You're in the real world. You're a vampire in the real world or whatever. Changeling, it's like, Yeah. You're a weird thing that was just <laughs> tortured forever, and now you're back, and you're not here. You were replaced by a different weird thing, and it's just so surreal. I'm really mm-hmm. excited to see where that goes. We play, We did our session zero, and, we, and then we played a, a session. Oh, yeah, that's right.
2: Hey, don't worry. Liam put it in chat while you were talking, so I okay. got you, Liam, and no, it's not water in the other class.
0: Yeah, see, my slow it down there, Liam. You don't don't want Chris <laughs> to pass out before we're done. Yeah, don't. Yeah, you don't oh, want to get
1: damn. hammered at work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I get hammered while you're at work. Yeah, true. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Other than Changeling, uh, what i been I've been watching. I watched Peacekeeper, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Oh, okay. I
0: love that show. Peacemaker was
1: incredible. Peacemaker yes. makes me really excited for James Gunn to have the DCU. Yes, um, I agree. I agree. That so was incredible. Very fun. And then we just watched, me and my partner watched uh, Dead End Paranormal Park. And it's an incredible, cute little, like, it's like a kid's show. Um, but it's very, it's like, you know, Gravity Falls. I know of
0: it. haven't watched right.
1: it. So Gravity Falls, also very good. But Dead End Paranormal Park is like the same kind of monster of the week. But it, it is, it builds up this big, uh, like, large overarching plot and world with all of their weird monsters and mysteries. And it's got a lot of queer representation. The main character is trans. It's just a, like a really, really good kids show. And then the second season ends on this huge cliffhanger and Netflix canceled it. Of course mm-hmm. they did. So that's where I am.
0: Yeah. So, so I would just quickly say, cause I know I've mentioned this here before, but, um, I, I kind of have become immune, I guess, or desensitized to that because one of the first books I ever remember reading as a child, and it, it really ignited my passion for fantasy storytelling. It's called The Children of the Dragon by Rose Estes. And I read this. I couldn't have been 10, 12 years old. I still have this book. I have kept it like a treasure uh, you know, to my chest ever since then. And it ends on a cliffhanger. (laughs) And she never wrote another one. You know, she had time. I'm pretty sure she's passed now. But, yeah, it basically ends with some spoilers. There's a dragon. It's got some eggs. There's some young kids who take one of the eggs. And there's a bad man who takes one of the eggs. At the end of the book, both eggs hatch, setting up this big dragon conflict. Never. Nope. Never, never, never in my own head, I've all I've imagined what was going to happen, but yeah. So I've kind of desensitized to the whole cliffhanger, and then nothing uh, since yeah. I was like ten years old.
2: Yeah, why don't you? Why don't you write the sequel? because uh, that would take work and effort. Mm. Fair. Yeah, unfortunately, Fair. Yeah. yeah.
1: You got to imagine that the publisher like went. You need to set it up to be a trilogy. You yeah. got to write a trilogy because it's fantasy. Yep. <laughs> and she just wrote the end to set up the trilogy and went. I don't really.
0: Yeah, she set it, it up. But then she's just That's like it. suckers. Check. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't honestly. I don't know. Yeah, this was well before social media. Maybe there's a reason why there wasn't another one. But uh, yeah. as a young boy, I'm always like, damn it, I want to know. Yeah, do
1: that. yeah okay. it's a real bummer. Every, like, I don't know why. Like, uh, inside job got canceled after a, a big cliffhanger at the end of season two. But that one wasn't. It didn't feel as bad for some. The the end of dead-end paranormal Park. boy it feels bad it's just like (laughs) the worst kind of cliffhanger to end a show on Mm. it's rough
0: Uh, yeah i I know your pain so i'm sorry to hear that yeah it's
1: it it feels it feels bad but it's okay we're starting legend of korra okay we just finished the avatar the last airbender i had never seen it before so we're starting the next we're starting korra so i'm excited for that because it's uh it's interesting it's fun
0: yeah i uh, i also had never watched last airbender and then my youngest i think man, two or three years ago got into it and he he just kept wanting to talk to me about it like every day he'd be like "Dad, i'm gonna talk about this the show and like i knew people online who were like it's like this great show so i'm like okay fine i'll watch it with you and like the first four or five episodes are really just hardcore kiddie stuff and i'm like yeah. i don't I don't see this. I don't know why people are talking about it. I stuck with it. And by the end, I'm like, you know, ugly crying, going, I get it. I understand." It's it's it show. is. It's such a good show. I'm really yeah. glad I uh, stuck with it. And it, it was a nice little moment for me and uh, Jacob to kind of bond over that. You know, yeah. uh, I, I did remember that, uh, that meme though. I'm sure you, you probably have seen it. It's like uh, when I watched the airbender and it's like Ang in the middle of some like Kata, you know, bending fire and air and fighting off somebody. And it says when my mom walks in the room and it's that one episode where all the girls go to the beach, yeah, the beach and they like hyper-sexualized
1: children. them walking yeah.
0: to the beach in bikinis. And it's just like this weird moment. That's not good.
2: Yeah. It's every time. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris, I stepped over you there, buddy. No, no, you're good. I was just say I, I really liked it. I, what I liked about the last airbender is it, it kind of matured with the audience Mm-hmm. Which is what I really liked about the original Clone Wars—that it it got a little more serious as it went through seasons. So that's just one of the things yeah. I liked about it.
1: And I think cool. it's it's also, it's part of the like general trend in like I guess kids shows, children media these days is that it, a lot of it is just like good television. A lot of kids shows these days, apart from like mm-hmm. Bluey and Pet Patrol, but like mm-hmm. a lot of kids shows are like genuinely good television shows that so- just happen to be.
0: I, I want to say, though, that I've heard Bluey is actually an amazing is show. It, I it? have not watched it, but I know people who swear by Bluey being like the best kids show in the history huh. of the world. So uh, I, Paw Patrol, I agree. Terrible. Uh, hated that show. But Bluey, I haven't watched it because my kids are too old, but I've heard nothing but good things about all Bluey. All right.
1: All right. I'll, I'll have to check Bluey out when I'm done with Dogs in Space. and <laughs> uh, Dogs in Space is genuinely good television. OK. Like uh, Kids shows. Really good shows. Now, like, no joke. They're good cartoons. Hmm.
0: Well, I think it's like going back to the days when you would, like, try to sell cigarettes to kids. If, if you get them hooked early, you'll keep right. them forever. So you need, if you have a good show, and then, you know, that's how you get 15 seasons of a show these days.
1: Or it's the same kind of thing. Like, Pixar makes some of the best TV, the best movies. Pixar's movies are ph- phenomenal mm-hmm. movies. And it's because you got to make shows that make the
0: parents want to watch. with Right, yeah. Kids. It's good for kids and, right. and adults. Yeah. All right. So as for myself, um, I am continuing my Arrow watch. As I mentioned before, I tried multiple times to watch it. I kept falling off because I think it gets pretty bad. Mm -hmm. I have gotten farther than I've ever gotten. And in some ways it has gotten better. I've kind of gotten over that hump, but it's still... Just not like I again. I don't know if you know Eric. I do a Smallville rewatch podcast. I love Smallville, sure. even though there's a lot of episodes of it that aren't very good either. But just as a whole, I really like it. Arrow has been a difficult watch for me, but I'm still pushing through. I try to watch two or three episodes every week. Sometimes I'll watch two or three in a day, just as my schedule allows. Uh, we finished Lockwood and Co., oh, which is like uh, it was on uh, Netflix. It's based on a children's or a YA book series, and the author of that series wrote a trilogy of books that I read years ago, and I definitely was an adult, it's a wide novel, but I really liked them. And so when I found out it was the same author, I definitely, you know, we, we dug into it. I do like it, but I feel like the book series might be better. So I'm thinking about maybe circling back and actually reading the books. So there's a lot of things that, like, I want to know more about the rules and the world, and it just, I feel yeah. like I'm constantly lost. Like, they're just saying things like the source and cover and feelings and the problem. Like, I don't know what any of that means. Context clues has helped me a little bit, but I still I think I would like the book version better. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually talked about just today on the car. We're talking about maybe rewatching Peacemaker again. It will be my third time through. I loved that show. So Saw Ant Man and Quantumania. Uh, I don't think it's great, but I also don't think it's terrible. It's, it doesn't deserve that forty seven percent Rotten Tomato score. It's much better than that, but it's huh. not great either. I'd say it's like a B You know, it's a, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I had a good time, but it's also disposable. Jonathan majors. Awesome. As Kang, like absolutely steals the show. Uh, but yeah, you know, eh, I don't know. Um, oh, I have a Kickstarter. Yeah. Uh, let's touch on that quickly. So next week, we're now six days away from the launch of the action 12 cinema Kickstarter. Um, so that's very, very exciting, but nerve wracking. Cause I still have some pieces that are falling into place currently, I'm supposed to get the first draft of the video tonight. So I get the chance to review it, offer some feedback and try to get it finalized. And then there's just a lot of moving pieces and parts. I'm sure again, Eric, you know kind of how that goes. I've run multiple Kickstarters before, but always for our event, never for an actual book. So that's, it's a whole different kind of ballgame. So it's exciting, but nerve wracking. Um, and then the last thing I will say um, is I finished my last audiobook. I, I mentioned it before I finished revival by Stephen King. Excellent. Excellent mm-hmm. read, and I was shopping. And I was like, "What do I want? What do I want?" And I've actually decided to go back and re-listen to the "Heir of the Empire" trilogy, the original Thrawn novels by Timothy Zahn. Um, and I got the first one on Audible, and it's not a cast uh, production, but but there are different voices. Like the the same. I don't know if it's the same guy or not, because like his Leia and Han voice aren't very good, but his Yoda is spot on. So I feel like maybe they've got it. Somebody else doing the Yoda voice at a, on time it's not that there's a lot of yoda but every now and then and then there's an admiral Akbar a couple lines it sounds just like that so i don't, I don't know how that working out but uh very good if, if, if you didn't know the timothy zahn novels very good uh and that kind of makes me wish for the days when we all assumed that would have been movie seven eight and nine mm-hmm. mm, yeah as much as i love the last jedi that trilogy as a whole
1: mm, not good amazing. yeah not good
0: yeah all right. So with that out of the way, we're going to jump into um, our first improv game. This improv game is called Ten Things. The idea here is that we will take turns prompting each other in order uh, to kind of come up with a list of X that fit the prompt. The idea is immediacy is better than, uh, or yeah, immediacy is better than accuracy. So if you get a list of ten things quickly better in terms of the game than taking your time and actually come up with a list that makes a bit of sense eric you're the guest tonight so you get to choose do you want to go first in terms of being prompted to deliver a list or would you like to go first in terms of prompting chris or
2: i to give our list
0: i'll deliver a list perfect all right chris do you have one
2: Hmm. no i'm good go ahead
0: okay all right so i always like to ask people about names because names are just I don't know. I have a fascination with them. I've gotten to name a few things. but well, most of the time poorly, including my kids. Uh, especially someone I talked to is running a Kickstarter. So i like to ask if, for whatever reason, you could not have named your game The Last Hand, what are 10 alternate names for your game?
1: Okay, 10 alternate names for The Last Hand, a horror role-playing game. It is out there. What? One. Uh, unknown Horror. Two. Two. Uh, something stalking you. Three. A dangerous creature. Four. A monster outside. Five. You can't escape it. Six. Six. Um, the Texas hoarder holdum. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> uh uh horror cards eight um monster cards
0: nine and jokers are really bad Um, that was in fact a list of 10 things all right thank you sir all right so to keep the chain going you will then prompt chris so what is your prompt for him
1: All right, Chris, I don't know Mm -hmm. you very well. I'm going to get to know you really well with this question. What are 10 things you've done that surprised you?
2: Ooh, uh, wow, that's a good one. Uh, Well, this will hit home for you for the first one. Uh, Earned a knighthood in the LARP I am in. One. Uh, I've been married for almost 21 years. Two. Uh, Found a woman who was willing to put up with me for 23 years. Three. Wow. Boy, surprised me. Uh, raised a super smart kid that's going to go into the Air Force, ROTC, and a bunch of other stuff. Four. Uh, started podcasting. Five. Uh, been still podcasting. Six. Uh, Boy, got to management at my company. Never thought Seven. anybody would do that. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, actually spent money on a nice computer. Eight. Boy, this is a good one. I like this one. That surprised me in life. Oh, uh cut my long hair. Use yeah. a long hair. That's exciting. Yep, yeah, me. well, when I was younger. Uh and uh currently uh do not have a pet.
0: Ten.
2: I was in fact a listening
0: ten things. righty. So then Chris, you will close this loop by prompting me, sir.
2: Uh oh, you got a Kickstarter coming up. I do. So ten emotions that you're either dealing with or going to deal with anxiety one depression two mania three
0: um excitement four nervousness five greed six (laughs) anger seven bargaining eight what's what's the other one after that acceptance nine uh (laughs) enjoy ten Yay! yay that was in fact a list of endings. awesome All right, so again, for tonight, for used books, normally what we do is we talk about a game that one of us has ran or played. Uh, We look for lessons learned, things that went really well that we've tried to carry over into new games or maybe something we tried that failed miserably, but we learned from it either not to do it or not to do it that way. But tonight we're going to do things a little bit differently, and we've done it this way before, but we have a guest on the show who has a currently running Kickstarter. So right this very moment, you can go and check out the last hand I'm throwing the link into Kickstarter again. Um, Eric and I had a chance to play the game on a geek of one's own stream just a few days ago. It should still be available there. I think it falls off after about a week, but it should still be there right now. Uh, I'm sure you probably demonstrated some other places as well, but it's, Kind of close in in some ways to what I'm doing in Action 12 Cinema, and that's what really drew me to want to participate. Um, it is a GMless game, like mine is, except yours is more in the vein of horror, and it uses a poker style mechanic as a recovering poker addict. I always said that half joking. Um, it interests me as well. So basically, for our use book session, we're just going to talk about your game. We're talking about like, where the idea came from, any sort of mechanics, all that kind of good stuff. So just kind of start. Just tell us and the audience. Where it came from, why you love it, why people should support it.
1: Yeah, so the Last Hand is a horror role playing game. Um, it's for GM. It's a GMless game. It's got no prep. It's it's one of those games like mm-hmm. uh, like Action Twelve Cinema. Um, but yeah, it it came about because I play a lot of like no prep, play to lose horror RPGs are some are some of my favorite. Uh, Ten Candles is a really good example. Love Ten Candles. Um, the Zone is really good. Just had a huge Kickstarter a couple of months ago. Um, but they all require a GM and they all require that like or the Zone doesn't. The Zone does a really good job. The Zone's great. The Zone basically did what I did better. But <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: but still support the,
1: this one support this one too. This one's great for different reasons. Um, but yeah, uh, 10 candles and dread are like hor- play to lose horror games, but you need a GM and the GM needs to have planned things ahead of time. So that, that you can play a cohesive story. And I usually break out horror games and one shots and stuff when somebody's missing for an RPG night, our weekly group, and I don't want to prep anything or nobody wants to prep anything or there's no time to prep anything. So, uh, GMless games are good for that. No prep mm. games are good for that. And uh, I wrote The Last Hand uh, after watching Bird Box, mm. which is a mm. detail I don't like telling out loud, but I keep doing. Uh, and Oof. I went, oh man, I really like the fact that you don't know what the monster thing is. I bet that would be cool. And so The Last Hand is a game where there is a monster, you are inside a safe house, and over the course of the game, you slowly learn what the monster is. And so that creates that there is an unknown and nobody here knows what it is. And you slowly discover it without needing a GM to, to mm-hmm. have planned anything. Um, and it creates a tension and kind of like that overwhelming uh, overwhelming odds that, that is constantly bearing down on you by playing with cards, by emulating Texas Hold'em. Um, Sort of the, the way that Ten Candles has, like, the candles blow out. Oh, no, that is a bad thing. We had no control over. Um, and in theory, Dread has the the tower could fall over at any time. But I have the problem where our group is just pretty good at Jenga. And so we'll, like, not knock the tower over in an entire four-hour session. And mm-hmm. so you never actually have the, the, the release of tension. So the last hand uses cards, playing cards, um, and... You, you play them out as community cards, like uh, Texas Hold'em with a flop, and then you have to remove them as threats with the cards in your hand. And every scene, you're constantly getting more cards played, and you only have the card, like, limited tools to, to deal with it every turn. So uh, eventually the threat builds up and builds up and builds up because you can't deal with everything every scene. And then there's a turn where... Oh, we have the cards we need, and you can clear a bunch of cards, and now some of those problems that you dealt with, or problems that were pro like serious, are dealt with, and there's a relief of tension, and then the the problem keeps coming back, and it's it's mm. you played it, it does that yeah. thing,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I had a had a fabulous time. So Liam, if you're still here, do not take this as a criticism, but the poker addict to me cringed every time he (laughs) dealt cards to it each time rather than going around and around i was like that's how poker works yeah yeah yeah. uh but i actually thought that was a really interesting uh mechanic i I would like to play it in person just because the digital interface was a little bit wonky for us Mm -hmm. again it was only because we were trying to let the audience see the cards so they could play along uh there were there were lots of ways we could have done it differently but then that wouldn't have been there but the idea of playing it where we don't know what other people have, it would have probably been a little bit more antagonistic in a way. Um I yeah, just thought it, that would be interesting it, concept.
1: Yeah, it creates the kind of like uh the the warranted distrust but obligatory cooperation you see in a lot of horror movies, like the The Walking Dead, Bird Box, uh, but pretty much all of them uh, where you go, We're a bunch of survivors and we don't know each other. So we don't trust each other, but we have to work together to not all die right now. Um, and mm-hmm. so the game naturally does that when you can't see each other's hands, uh, where you look at around and you're like, well, can we deal with this problem right now? Because right. I can't. <laughs> and I, uh, I I think we should. Um, because, yeah, with, with the public hands, it still played well. It was fun. Uh, we still told a fun story. Um, but, yeah, you don't have that that unknown removed an aspect of unknown unknown is a big aspect of horror so
0: right uh scurvy knave has jumped in the chat to say that they love the distrust but cooperation idea i do think that fits very well with the horror kind of theme that that you're going for there uh because you see that a lot in horror movies where there is a distrust because i don't know you you don't know me but we're in this untenable situation together and we're either you know, Lost said it best: "Live together, die alone." Situation. Right. Um, yeah. So I know, Chris. I don't. You weren't able to, to play in the game, but you mm-hmm. have played my game a few times. What is your experience overall with GMless games? Other than mine, have you played any of these before?
2: Uh, I've played a couple others. I, I enjoy them. I like the cooperative, not world building, but building that story and working together to build that. Well, in your case, the tension for the horror. I'm a big fan of horror games. Like, everybody knows I'm a big fan of Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, I like the idea of that dread building up and that tension, but it's not always just a monster.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, a lot of times when I run Shadow of the Demon Lord, uh, spoilers for what he wants to play, the monsters really aren't monsters. It's usually something that's mm-hmm. a humanoid or a human right? that's really behind it all. Um, I I like that aspect. I like the idea that you don't know what the monster is until you get there. Mm-hmm. I hate yeah. I hate horror movies where ten minutes it's, into it you're like, I don't yeah. need to see that. Like <laughs> right. I, I like the idea of not knowing what it is. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And building that up. And I will say that there's a difference between horror and gore.
1: Yeah, yeah, slashers are a different type of yes. movie. I don't consider then, them horror. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, could, I Horror movies, to me, need to build up that tension. Like you said, Bird Box. Like I, I watched that not too long ago. I didn't dislike it. I felt it was a little slow. They could have moved it on a little faster. But... It's
1: a fine movie. I wouldn't say... I'm not proud that Bird Box was the inspiration for The Last Man.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I liked how you... You never really saw the evil that was always right. there, mm-hmm. but the way that they, they acted and the way that they would run from it and the description of how it changed people. That to me was, was what horror should be mm-hmm. and maybe not even horror, but more suspense in that case.
1: Yeah. One of the, one of the examples I use for the last hand a lot, I don't know if you've seen apostle or, um, the ritual, um, like a lot I've of seen the ritual yeah a lot of like folk horror or or like those movies where it's like a bunch of people who go out into the woods and or to a new place and then something weird happens and then you know that there's something. there's gonna mm-hmm. be something, but you don't you don't see it. you don't really know what it is in the ritual they go out to go you know, hiking or whatever. And then like weird stuff, they come across some spooky stuff and mm-hmm. then they find like a dead deer. And they're like, that doesn't look natural. <laughs> so you know, there's something there. And then it's not until like the climax, the end scene that it, the big thing shows up and you see it and you go, Oh, that's scary. And like, and that kind of storytelling is what the last hand does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. It, yeah, that's the, that. I agree. It, it's awful to just have like, ah, this is Jason.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I labeled our stream tonight some game design talk uh, because I knew we were going to talk about your game, and i never used that tag before. I thought maybe we get some new people here. So let's let's honor that a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit about where the concept of the use in the player playing cards came from and how did that evolve over playtesting? like did you always use the mechanics as you got to now or did you get to them over some playtesting?
1: that's a good question um the i think the core of it came about i wrote the game in about a week and the core of it was there um where where i went all right this is how texas hold'em kind of works let's try to <laughs> emulate that and 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 that kind of was always there with with the flop the dealer is like a pseudo gm so there's always somebody kind of in charge and that goes around the table um i think the biggest things that changed with play testing was the like specifics of what cards did like Mm. very early on uh, the joker was just everybody discards their hands those cards all become trouble also in addition to the current trouble and the scene ends and it's just bad and and playtesting that just sucked and was very hard uh so there were a lot of balancing things like that um yeah the the big things that we that that changed along the way were were mostly like those like the little tweaks that you got from playtesting you went oh this just doesn't work like you need we needed better descriptions for what different suits were i had a blind play test from one of the guy one of the contributors who who wrote a setting for my uh the expanded settings book that is part of the kickstarter you can get that's got more than just the default wild west setting um but they play tested it with a group and they had just read it and played it and they bounced off of it really hard and had a lot of issues with it and that's when i kind of went okay this game plays like fiasco. This game doesn't play like like other RPGs. I should start trying to write it more as these are each card is a prompt rather mm-hmm. than play a card and the story gets told. Um, because, yeah, it plays more like cards as prompts for improv storytelling than it does where playing cards is conflict rev- rev- resolution. It's not right. like roll a die, you did a thing. It's not play a card, you did a thing. It's like you play a card, you mechanically and abstractly resolved the crisis, but like use that to tell the story. Moving right, down. right,
0: right. Are you familiar with Savage World at all? Have you played that?
1: Uh, yes, I used. That was the one of the one of the first non D games I picked up okay. when I was when I was in my youth.
0: Because I know it has a kind of a mechanic. It's like the campfire thing where you draw a card and the suit of the card you're supposed to tell it. one character tells a story based off the suit. Like it's about a love lost or a conflict. And and I don't know how me- closely yours prompts mirrored that but it definitely gave me those vibes which is a positive thing it's like that's a you know steal from their best or borrow or however yeah Um, one question i did have is uh because i'm definitely more of an action movie junkie than a horror movie junkie but i do watch horror movies as well and the one thing that doesn't happen in your game till the end is player elimination and i get the idea of a GMless game you know it's not fun to get knocked out 20 minutes in and people are playing for two more hours but that is kind of an non-standard thing in horror usually you have people dying and there's like one or two or three at the end was there ever a phase where you did player elimination do you have anything in the book about optional rules for player elimination modes i don't
1: i i have played enough games with player elimination and designed enough games by now i have like i ran i designed and ran larps for years and i've designed a handful of board games uh and i've played enough games that player elimination was never on the table. It's one of my big rules. Like I when I design board games, role playing games, anything, it has to play more than 4 people. It can't be for an exactly 4-person game and you can't have player elimination. Those are the big rules. So it never had player elimination. And I think that's my big concession away from horror as a genre it, is that you you can't die in the middle of the story. You can mm. you can it, I guess in the earlier The earliest playtests we did have, oh, your character dies. Play as an NPC or a new character that shows up to so that you can keep playing, right? And I think we we I scrapped that because it just kind of felt disjointed. You had kind of had to like force NPCs into the situation if there wasn't already one or something. Um, So it wasn't always great. It wasn't smooth, and it was it's it's easier and it is less taxing on the players to go. Nobody can actually die. And then, and it adds more tension and suspense to the kind of hidden information aspect of the game Mm -hmm. to go. People will die in their epilogue. If you don't work together. But, and then you, I don't think we said out loud at the end of the game, the last scene is, um, you score a poker hand with any remaining community cards as part of it, and then the cards left in your hand. You try to get the highest scoring poker hand. And if there are any remaining community cards, which through the course of the game are the obstacles, the bad things, um, a, a character has to die for every remaining card. So we when we played, we had four four characters, four players, and by the end we had three remaining, or no, we had we only had one remaining. Uh, card and so the tiebreaker the, the worst hand came to my, me and so my character had to die in, the, in mm-hmm. the epilogue and so you get a little bit more agency over your character and over your character's story um, but yeah I guess that is a concession away from horror the, as a genre that
0: I, and I'm there's playing. concessions in every game Like I don't take that as a criticism I was just curious um, Chris do you have any other thoughts or questions you want to ask Eric before we move on? Uh,
2: how accessible is it for people who are new to role playing? because some of the GMless games I've played are pretty intimidating to a new player.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's one of the things about, so in theory, Fiasco is really, really approachable to players who don't know what role-playing games are because Mm -hmm. they don't have the preconceived notion that one person is going to tell me my story and I won't have to work very hard. All I have to do is say what my character does. So you get a lot more of that, like, players are just willing to do stuff. But that hurdle to get to being comfortable telling the story Mm -hmm. is hard. Like, you have to get the ball rolling. From my experience, the last hand gets that ball rolling a lot faster and a lot easier. There's something called the trouble and the blind, which is uh, basically the initial flop it sets the scene, and the dealer, every scene, has a person who's sort of GMing. Um, they have a little bit more power in every scene to set the scene, and then you, you move the story forward. You get the ball rolling with the blinds, and so each person next to the dealer kind of adds a detail. And that gets the ball rolling enough that it is a little bit easier. It, okay. in my experience, is a little bit more new player-friendly than... Thing like, I, I, I've played like a quiet year, or I played this weird GMless game about gnomes, um, and they all they put a lot of onus on the players to like right. have good pacing and have good sense of of like sharing the spotlight, um, and the last hand kind of makes a lot of that in, okay. um, but. It is a GMless game. Everybody kind of has to like make the concession that we're here to tell a sc- story together. We're not here to win. Nobody's gonna win. We're all, um, and, but it is easy to pick up the slack for other people or fill in the gaps for everybody. And the, the game does get the ball rolling well. I think. Mm-hmm. It's oh, a good question.
2: Nice. I okay. like these yeah.
1: questions because it makes me interrogate <laughs> my thoughts about my game more, which is good.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've played you know, quite a few GMless games and the reason that came up is I played one at Gen Con years ago and the spotlight came onto a new player and she froze. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I literally thought she was just going to get up and just run away from the table. Luckily the GM was really good at, Mm -hmm. Hey, okay, cool. Well, let's, let me help you through this and kind of work through it. And afterwards I said to the GM, you know, this is a rough game for somebody who's new. You know, you're saying, Hey, throw something new into the world. Well, Mm -hmm. this person's new. They don't, they don't have a clue. They're like, and I'll admit that, I mean, we were playing underwater, or uh, like insectoid creatures on a foreign planet. And then it came to her. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. what would you like to add? I'm, I'm over here thinking, man, I don't even know what I'm going to add. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm already trying to figure out well, how did we get underwater to insectoids to uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, that was a tough one, but I just remember how the, the that look on her face is almost terror. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. that's rough. Yeah,
0: i I've experienced that in some of the action 12 cinema play tests just where, you know, you got three or four people who are really comfortable with improv and one person who's not as comfortable. And it just seems like the game kind of comes to a halt whenever it's their turn. And, you know, there's a part of you that's like, Oh man, we were like, you know, like you're mm-hmm. like playing volleyball and everybody's bumping setting, spiking, and then it just stops. But that's part of the game. Like you're going to have people who are on that same level. And you know, what, what elements do you have to support that person who isn't uh, as, experiences the other for me it's the fact that it's based on movies so if, if nothing else just think of a movie and add something from the movie in mm-hmm. which still isn't perfect because there's some people who don't watch movies or don't care or can't think in you know on the fly but uh, that's kind of what i have baked in mm-hmm. so and,
1: and then there's also just the element of like ideally in my experience playing role-playing games i'm playing with a bunch of people i like and mm-hmm. we can just go oh i i I don't know. Can somebody help me? And you can go, "Oh yeah, D- is this like here's an idea, maybe this." And then they can go, "Okay, yeah." Mm-hmm. And kind of like you're all there to tell a cool story together. Part of the preamble in the last hand is about collaborative storytelling. Most games have like a what is a role playing game section. Yeah. I have a section that's just like, "Hey, like bounce ideas off of each other. Work together like you're here to tell a story together." nobody should feel uncomfortable about that it's especially important horror games it's really easy to cross lines in in horror if you're not with a group of people you know really well so like you're here to bounce ideas you're here to just like tell a cool story as friends probably mm-hmm. so like people right. comfortable asking for help if you need it i'm i, I think that's just an important part of all role-playing yeah. games
0: mm-hmm. I would agree. And I also think that at the end of the day, you can always say it. you can still just rely on mechanics. Like ultimately, if you wanted to say, I'm going to use this card to defeat that card, you did that. Or I want to use my insight or I want to use my deception. I rolled a number. That's fine. Like that's not Mm -hmm. the ideal of what I'm going for, but I'm happy to allow that to happen for your comfort at any time.
1: And you don't have to, like, talk in character. No, right. like the, the GMs that are like, everybody at my table has to talk in character. I was that GM years ago where I was like, Do you, if you don't roleplay in character, you don't get to play at my table. And that's just so weird. to Like, what a weird policy to have. Because yeah. everybody has just different comforts. Like, I come from LARP, so we're constantly in character. But some people just don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, everybody should play at their comfort level. And, like, at the end of the day play your card, roll your dice, and we just move the story forward with that information. Yep, Mm
0: -hmm. yep, very much. Uh, So just one more reminder. So the last hand, it's on Kickstarter right now. There's about four days left. I'm going to try to get this episode out uh, a little quicker than we normally do because our audio-only audience is much larger than Mm -hmm. our streaming audience. So hopefully get a few more people a chance to check it out. Uh, So just really quickly, what are the pledge levels? If somebody wants to support you, what are they going to pay? And then we'll move on.
1: Yeah, so you can get just the just the PDF is eight bucks. If you just want the PDF of the game, eight bucks. Um, you can get the physical copy also for twelve bucks. Um, if you want, I do have a an expanded setting book. So the default setting is the Wild West. There's a book of a bunch of different settings with a bunch of different other options. There's uh, an airport where everybody's disappeared uh, and you're all alone in this airport. And we've got a reverse dungeon crawl kind of thing where you're a bunch of creatures like goblins or kobolds living in a dungeon and it, the horror is somebody coming in to take your stuff and, <sighs> and invade nice. your dungeon. Um, we got a bunch of different stuff, uh, a Victorian mansion. Um, I'm missing something, the, like a, 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 the crusade knights on a crusade. Um, so there's a bunch of space. We got someone in space. We got a bunch of different stuff. So that's cool. And, and, that option, you can get both in physical. Right now we unlocked the stretch goal already. It's f- fully funded. We've unlocked the stretch goal to get physical copies of both books. So the the expanded settings as well. Um, so 24 bucks to get the expanded settings, physical book, uh, or you can get both PDFs for 20 bucks. So.
0: Very cool. Well, I wish you the best of success. Thank you for allowing me to, to participate in the stream with Liam. I had a great time with it. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see what you do next.
1: Thanks. I'm excited, too. It's going really well so far. So no stress anymore.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. <yeah. laughs> All right. So with that we're going to move on to our second improv game. And this is Where Have My Fingers Been? And this is sort of an improv puppeteering game where we will once again take turns prompting each other in turn to create a short scene involving two or more um, uh, individuals that fit the prompt. Uh, Eric, you once again are the guest. So would you like to go first in terms of acting out the scene or prompting Chris or I to give our scene?
1: Boy, I would sure would like to act out
0: the scene first. Fantastic. All right. So, Chris, do you have an idea or you want me to come up with one? All right. Go ahead. All right. So, um, so again, it's very important. New York Tater will flip tables. Uh, we have to sing the song. So the song goes, Where Have My Fingers Been? I said, Where Have My Fingers Been? So would you please sing that song, Eric?
1: Where Have My Fingers Been? Where Have My Fingers Been?
0: Your fingers are in a Wild West Saloon Casino. And people are starting to disappear, and you suddenly realize that you are the only two people left.
1: All right, buddy, uh, give me one more shot, bartender. Where's the bartender? Oh, there ain't no bartender in this saloon no more, fella. It's just you and me. Oh well, what happened? I I need another drink. Something happened. It. Is out there and it's taking people. Whew. That's her jumping over the bar to the back. Here, we're both gonna need a drink before we go out there and deal with this crisis. And they drink, but that's really hard to do with fingers. And they pull their guns.
0: Also hard to do outside. with fingers. <laughs> also hard to do with fingers. A
1: lot of hand actions on these fingers. <laughs>
0: And that's where your fingers uh, have been? Yeah, that's where my fingers have been. Awesome. Yeah. It ends on a cliffhanger. We'll never know what happened. We'll happens. never know. All right. So, Eric, then you will prompt Chris to keep the chain going. So, Chris, you
2: must sing the song. All right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been?
1: Your fingers have been um, riding the scariest new ride at the local theme park. I
2: can't believe we're doing this again. Oh, Get over it, you big wimp. No, seriously. Like, I just had lunch. And? You might get to... Oh, oh, oh God. Here we go. Oh! Uh, I knew it. I should have just... Let's go. And that's where my fingers have been.
0: Yay! Excellent. All right. So then that brings it to me to lower the bar to the ground. So where
2: have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, teaching somebody how to play poker.
0: Okay. All right. So when you get your card, no, just look at them at one at a time, but I want to know what I got one at a, you don't look at one at a time. Wait till you get both of them. Okay. All right. So when the bet comes to you, it's called action. So you are the one that gives the action. I, I raise. no, you bet, but I want to raise it. Well, you're the first to go. So it's called betting. You know, dad, I'm three. And that's where my fingers Yay. have
2: been.
0: Yay! I've actually experienced that because I've taught both my kids how to play poker. So, and all for right. me, you
1: tie your three-year-olds out. Not with a three;
0: they're they're thirteen and eleven. And uh, my thirteen-year-old plays with a wild abandonment. He's actually hard to beat because he will just bet every time. Oh, nice. oh, and right. the problem is, is that I will like, oh, I know I he doesn't have anything. So I'll call, but then still have better than me. And so he's now won so much that he's has confidence that, that it will always work. So Don't let him go to a real casino. No, he would lose everything so fast, <laughs> but we have played for uh, like, um, chore money and stuff. Like we played, uh, we played for lunch.
1: candy at, uh, in middle school dances all the time. Oh, uh, the, the not cool kids in the back of the middle school dance playing, playing poker for candy.
0: Nice. I get, if my kid gets about to a poker game, he's going to know how to play it There's nothing else. So, all right. So now we're going to move on to a, sh- a section called Cryptozoology. This is where we take a look at a monster. Usually it's a D&D, but it doesn't have to be. And we're going to talk about ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past. we brainstorm brainstormed some interesting ways we can use it in the future. Eric, you're bringing the monster tonight. So what are we talking about?
1: We're talking about ghosts.
0: <laughs> ghosts.
1: Ghosts. Spooky. Spooky spirits, phantoms, poltergeists, the
0: variety. All right. And so, again, we're not necessarily talking about the D&D version. I do have the 5th edition Monster Manual out if we might, might want to look at it. Um, but uh, is there anything in particular about having a ghost as a bad guy or as a, an encounter that you particularly enjoy? Uh, I will shout ch- ch- out a, a, a a.k.a. Miller72 or a 72 says hello. Hello to you. Oh, it's Lee Wanika. Hey, Lee Wanika. Nice to have you here with us. So, all right. So, back to you, Eric. So, what is it about ghosts that interests you? Why have you? Why do you want to talk talk about them and use them?
1: I like ghosts because they are they're like they're an unknown, right? You never know what a ghost is going to be like because they do a lot of different things for a lot of different for all, in a lot of different si- situations. You can have poltergeists, you can have uh, possession, you can have uh, you can have like curses you can have your 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 big old phantoms in blades in the dark they're just like a a natural occurring phenomenon they're like the scary monster that happens and like the whole world is built in a way that you need to like deal with ghosts when people die um Mm -hmm. and they're just like a a creature that shows up and is just a threat right and there's just a lot of variety you can do with them so I, i like them because it's it's not a it's not just an antagonist it can be a whole bunch of different stuff and it can be a puzzle it can be a puzzle it's and and it's just human enough that it's almost like it's it's sort of human it's like a person and humans and people are really really good threat as chris was saying Mm earlier. like it's nice when horror or when when antagonists or when bad guys are just a person Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot more gray area there and i think ghosts are close enough to just a person that you get a lot of weird stuff there.
0: Okay. Uh, I would just mention again that Lockwood & Co., if anyone isn't familiar with the story or the show, check that out, because that's basically the premise of that show is that this is like a England-set series, and roughly 50 years ago, ghosts just became a thing, and they mm-hmm. refer to it as the problem, and now ghosts just basically pop up all over the place, and in that world, um, only children can see them. So, you have this whole group of like children who are trained to be like these mercenaries, it's a very deadly job. But once you turn 18, you can't see them anymore. So, these children soldiers are going out fighting these ghosts. Um, and then there's also the conspiracy about like where did they come from, and you know, right. what there's like a whole government aging thing. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I like as well. Like I said, it can't just be a thing you fight, or it could be a thing, uh, you know, again, like I like. The show supernatural. Maybe you have to find its bones and salt and burn them, and that will take care of it. Maybe they've possessed someone, and that's mm-hmm. why this person is acting weird. So you got to take care of the ghost without harming the person that's being possessed. Why are they a ghost? Like, what tragedy caused them to be birthed as a ghost? So maybe that's what you have to figure out mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's like a murder mystery where you got to figure out who did it after the fact to get to save the ghosts you know, anger and that's, that will free them. So there's a lot of variety to how you can create encounters that at the heart of it is a ghost. You could even have a Casper type thing. Like a ghost could be a a beneficial ally in a moment, you know, where a ghost joins you to fight other specters that you can't see, but it will fight for you. So you have to befriend the ghost in some way. So I really like ghosts as an option too, because I think there's a lot of variety. Uh, so Chris, you again said many times you like Shadow of the Demon Lord. It's a more, more dark, mm-hmm. gritty, grimy sort of story. Have in that game or any other, have you
2: used ghosts before? Do you have any thoughts on using ghosts? I have. Uh, one of my one of my favorite times of using it is I actually had the ghost uh, moving items and stealing items from the group. And it was actually a, it was a little morbid, but it was a child who died, and they were they were playing. Mm -hmm. And what it actually did was then the players started blaming each other for stealing things. So then it created this really cool role-playing thing where what I thought was just going to be funny of, oh, you know, your sword, you find it in the chimney. Why is it in the chimney? Because that's where the kid put it. Like, that was my logic, but they're like, no, it's your character, Michael, who keeps messing with my character because you think it's funny. And they had this really cool role-playing thing. Well, then they, you know, through role-playing, finally figured out what was going on. And then that ghost actually led them to actually the big bad guy. And then they were able to free the ghost and let him go on to his journey. But mm-hmm. I liked it because it turned into a different role-playing scene than what I thought it was going to be. And at the end of it, the, the characters and the players actually felt more bonded to each other because they actually had now trust. Because, you know, it's a whole, you know, you meet in the tavern type party. Well, then they actually developed trust with each other through going, you know, with through this little journey. Right. So I had a lot of fun with that. Um, I, I've used ghosts as clue givers. You know, we're lost. We don't know where to go. Oh, well, you happen to wander into a tomb, and the ghost comes up and says, ooh, you know, check out Mr. Jenkins, you know, type moment, mm-hmm. and they could go over that way. Um, I, I did that when I was younger, and, you know, I made the, the puzzle, I call it, too complicated, and the players are like, "We well, don't know what you're trying to get to. <laughs> And I'm like, but it's right there. It's right it's in front of you. It's right there. It's
0: so obvious. What are you, stupid?
2: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I've used it that way. Um, I've used them to just build tension. You hear noise in the background. You know, you hear the chains rattling. What is it? Well, it could be the dungeon downstairs. You don't know. Right. Maybe somebody's chained up. Who knows? You know, and then they have to hear the sounds in different areas. What are some of the ways you've used them?
0: So I played a Shadow of the Demon Lord game, and it never quite got, where it needed to but i really like this idea and it's something i probably will move into the future but uh there was a a a reason that they needed what i called a ghost touched weapon and essentially it was a weapon that was passed through the form of a ghost it doesn't hurt the ghost but by going through the form of a ghost it imparts some sort of property to the weapon that allows it to be effective against another creature so the object was you have this thing, you know, you can't kill it. So you got to find a ghost. So that's part one. Where is there a ghost? <laughs> and you got to get to that place. You've got to get it to manifest. You've got to pass your weapon through it and then not die. Cause it's a ghost and you just pissed it off. Cause you shoved the sword through it uh, and then get away so that you can use that weapon to harm the thing that you were originally after. So um, again, I, I, it was just sort of like pieces and parts put together, but I do like that idea of ghost touch as a property. Mm-hmm. I know there are like games that have ghost touch, but it's, slightly different than that. Uh, But that's definitely something I will want to use in the future is is making ghost touch property that weapons can have for against other creatures. You Eric, any thoughts on the next time you might use a ghost? Yeah. I really like
1: the idea of ghosts as like a, as like a, like residual hauntings. Like I grew up, my family watched the ghost hunter TV show on Mm sci-fi and looking back, that was an interesting decision but i did learn a lot of fun things to use in fiction i like residual haunting i like that there's like a lot of different types of things you can do with haunting and i just I, hope they never
0: canceled that show because i really need to know if they ever actually found one
1: i they, they, if you ask them they have uh, <laughs> i i i really like the the variety like you can i like a lot of modern supernatural fiction a lot of rpgs that i run are like it's the real world but I, I have a tendency towards, uh, towards like, the World of Darkness games because of mm-hmm. that. Um, and ghosts are a really cool way to go, oh, man, w- there is something, there is a haunting going on here, but we need to figure out, is this a ghost that is making decisions? And we have to, like, how do we get rid of it? Like you were talking earlier, there's a lot of, there's sort of a puzzle to every ghost because... Right. Is it making its own decisions? Is it just doing the same thing over and over and over again? The rules to ghosts change pretty much from setting to setting to yeah. story to story. So, like every ghost has a different way to get rid of it. Is it trying to deal with its unfinished business? It doesn't need to be banished with a ritual. Does it? Is it have a weakness to salt or something? Um, and I, I like I really like that like ghost hunting mini game sort of. Um, mm-hmm. so I want to do that. I think. In, in, I've got a couple of games, game designs on the books right now. And, uh, one of them I'm dealing with is, uh, is like a Cold War era kind of like secret agent, hellboy kind of thing. And I definitely want to do some like ghost hunting in there because I really like that.
0: Yeah. I like some of the supernatural lore around ghosts. I get like the TV show, you know, where like cold iron. So, like, you grab a fireplace poker, you can hit it, uh, buckshot, like salt gunshots mm-hmm. can affect them temporarily mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately you've got to find the source the body and and mm-hmm. salt and burn it and that will free it uh there are other ways but that's like the easy like if we can get to that we know we can solve it type of a thing so i do like that idea as well of um you know i'm sure in D about looking i'm sure there's like probably can only be hit with magic weapons but if you have magic weapons then you can just fight a ghost with a sword and yeah. i don't know like I, nice. again i love D, but that just doesn't fit the idea of a ghost to me i don't think you should be able to just hit it with a sword till it Redies dies or undies
1: yeah ghost shouldn't have a stat block that's weird yeah, yeah I, I i agree with that
0: um so just because we're running a little bit long we're going to cut it there but as always we'll throw it out to the audience if you have any um oh, stories oh yeah, rook and rasper raiden with party of seven thanks nice. for coming and jumping in i'm sure that's probably michael and his crew yeah. um but if you have any interesting ghost encounters, either as a DM that you've used with your players or as a player you experience that you would like to share, please let us know. Either comment on the episode directly on the website or wherever we post it, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. Uh, but we're going to move into the audience Q&A, so it's a great time for everyone to have shown up. Um, so what we do is if there's anybody who's watching who would like to ask a question to any or all of us, should be game-related, but it doesn't have to be, but we reserve the right to not answer questions if we don't feel comfortable. Uh, now's the time to jump them into chat, and we um, we understand that There's a little bit of a delay, so while we're waiting for chat to maybe catch up, Eric, once more time, where can people find you? Where can they find the game? All that kind of good stuff. Plug away, sir.
1: Uh, I'm Eric. I am Airborne Ham on most social media and the internet. Uh, If you want to back or learn more about The Last Hand, a horror role-playing game, you can find that on Kickstarter right now. Uh, It ends on Monday, the 26th at around noon Eastern time. So you've got a few days from right now live and hopefully a little bit of time from whenever this gets posted. Um, But even if you don't, the goal of the funding is to be able to post a, like make a website and then have e-commerce and get it into stores. And the goal is to start actually making games. uh, And this is hopefully the first step in that. So you should be able to find it in the future as well. Thanks. All right. Thanks for your
2: fantastic. Interest. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Berlu underscore Chris. Uh, otherwise, here every other Wednesday, here every other Thursday. And then starting up, I think in roughly a week and a half, two weeks, uh, Mondays, uh, we're going to be streaming what used to be the Redemption Story, but now it's going to be rebranded as a streaming show. And we still haven't figured out a name yet, but... Uh, <sighs> The re-redemptioners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're we're get, not get rid of. We're going to move away from the name redemption because it's very hard to search for that and not have a lot of religious stuff come up first. So we're trying to find it a little easier for people to find us. So it's going to be a little different format. We're going to be doing more short stories and just more you know little tales instead of a longer story and just having some fun with it. Uh, I've requested a couple of of you know just comedic episodes. So it'll be fun, but nice. Uh,
0: As for myself, you can find most of what I do at the RPG Academy. Um, I have a brand new podcast that is launching next month as part of that. My actual job is called the Healthy Minds Alliance podcast. And it is short interviews with people who volunteer through the AmeriCorps service program. um, And they do some good service work with various host sites. Like I teach non or youth mental health first aid. Other people are doing other things that are similar. So it's just like a little short 20 minute feel good, learn how these people are impacting the communities they are volunteering in. Uh, so if you are interested in that at all, or just want to help me out when it goes live, give it a thumbs up, give it a plus, give it a review to help us get it into uh, people's feeds so that you know we can start also growing that. Uh, so it's it's my first professional podcasting job, I guess. I mean, I do have a Patreon, so technically I do get paid for podcasting, but this is a little bit different, uh, and it's very, very exciting, but also a little bit nerve-wracking. So uh, so with that, uh, we're going to go to our questions. So we haven't had any pop-in yet, but we still might, but there is one question we ask every guest, so we'll start with that one, see if any of them pop in. So Eric, imagine that you were being turned into an action figure. I don't mean you're being polymorphed into one, but someone's going to make an action figure based on your like- likeness and your life. What would be the three accessories that come in your action figure package.
2: I've
1: been thinking about this a long time (laughs) just now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the first one would be this cat right here. This is Munch.
0: Hey Munch. He's a key cat.
1: The second one would be that cat over there. That's (laughs) Abe. (laughs) The third one would be that cat up there. And that's Stranger. I would have three cat accessories for my action figure.
0: That's going all in on cats.
1: I, I'm, I'm pretty all in on cats at this point. <laughs> Somebody needs to help.
2: Nice. Fantastic. Just don't get up to 30.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm three. We got three cats and we got two dogs and we're not allowed to have any more pets. Yeah.
2: It's a good rule. Good rule. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Both for your sanity and probably for uh, wherever you live. Yeah.
1: yeah for, for all sorts of
0: reasons. All sorts of reasons. Yes. All right. Well, Eric, I had a great time talking to you. I hope you had a good time as well. I, again, I hope we've sent a few extra people your way for this Kickstarter. Uh, if not now, maybe hopefully uh, tomorrow or Friday, I'm going to try to get this out. Um, any final words before we sign off?
1: Well, thanks for having me. This has been great. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to add another podcast to my, uh, to my, po- my podcast uh, repertoire. Um, I'm really excited for Action 12 cinema i i'm really (laughs) excited for that so i'm i'm looking forward to that you gotta i gotta keep myself in the loop there
0: all right well again just follow me on social media because that's all i talk about anymore if you have Um,
1: any upcoming playtests
0: uh, so we have one that we're going to do the night the Kickstarter launches. So oh. the, it, it will have already launched, All right. uh, but we're going to do it on our feed. Um, I think right now I'm planning on playing, but I could step out and just facilitate if you wanted to to join in. So just make sure you, you hit kick, uh, hit me up later and we'll see if we can work yeah, that Yeah, we'll out. figure
1: out the time because I'm a busy dude also, but I, I want to play this game. This game okay. seems
0: cool. Fantastic. All right, Chris, as always, thank you for hanging out, buddy. I really appreciate Bye. having you here. Any final words from you before we sign off?
2: Uh, just go out and check out all these nice Kickstarters. Yeah, there's a lot. You can listen to my show. I do a show every other week about Kickstarters. So just come to me. I'll tell you which ones to
0: follow, including <laughs> my own. Uh, yeah. I've been guessing on a bunch of other podcasts. I've I had an episode come out today for Snyder's Return. Lovely chat. I had not heard of the podcast before, but they offered to have me on, so I did it. A lovely chat. I'm on another one called Critically Thinking. Uh, D&D was another wonderful chat. Both of them are UK. One's Australia, one's UK, so spreading out globally. Uh, But both of those were great. I was on on Craig Campbell's RPG R&D podcast. Lovely time, so that should be coming out post-launch. But you're going to see me around if you follow podcasts. I'm going to be everywhere. Uh, And then again, I'll just mention Tabletop Journeys because they were one of the first... Um, podcast to have us on and do a actual play was lovely, and actually Rook and Rasp since they're here as well. They were the technically the first that did, we did a stream, uh, so I've got a lot of support in a lot of places, and I do really really appreciate it. But w- enough about my stuff. So we're gonna sign off as we say, and as we always do. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Doing it right. So thanks everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast.